All right, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're wide awake, right? Nobody stayed up too late. Sleeping on those great dorm beds, no problems, right? No issues for you. You can handle it. Uh, we're going to be back in First Peter, so you can turn there if you'd like. Uh, chapter 4 uh, this morning and uh, talk about humility for a few minutes and then we'll be done. Uh, this thing, uh, man, I don't know about for you. It went fast for me. How about you? Uh, seems like it's just getting started and now it's already over. Uh, let me say uh, again, I don't know that, uh, that it'll resonate with you and, and even make a difference sometimes when we are in the midst of things like this. When you have something as wonderful as you have, it's easy not to recognize it. Uh, but let me just say from the outside looking in, you have something wonderful. You have an incredible, incredible thing going on, a move of God uh, that only God could do. Uh, and only you could allow him to do. You have to choose to let him do that, right? You have to be cooperative with that and, and let him work in and through you. But he's doing that. And every time I come here, uh, I always walk away incredibly encouraged uh, to do the work of the Lord. And, uh, and I, I commend you for that. I, I appreciate you for that. And I encourage you in that to, to continue that, uh, to stay in there. Uh, this is not happening everywhere. In fact, I know very few places. Uh, so so be, be grateful. Be humble. Amen? <laughs> it's a humbling thing that God uh, would work through you and, and, and allow you to be a part of something that's so cool. An incredible heritage that goes way back, uh, but, but you are continuing that. And you'll, if the Lord tarries in His coming, uh, pass that on to the next generation. Uh, and that is so critically important. And uh, your, your pastors are doing an incredible job, and you have been wonderfully blessed uh, with pastors who lead you. Uh, man, what, as Sam says, how rich you are. Uh, you are incredibly wealthy, and uh, man, be grateful for that, right? Uh, praise the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. For your pastors, yes, and those, those who serve in your body, what a wonderful, wonderful group of people. Uh, Sam's going to be at our church in a few weeks, and I can't wait for that to uh, introduce him to our congregation and uh, we follow your example. We follow your example. Uh, and I mean that. Uh, you challenge me to be better. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Um, and you know, we're talking about humility. And you might say, well, man, you're, you're, you're pumping us up. That, that, that's not humility. Oh, you, then I have failed to communicate what I've tried to communicate. Because humility isn't thinking meanly of yourself. I think it was Andrew Murray. It's not thinking of yourself at all. It's, it's knowing who I am in Christ. You know, and, and I, wonder, I, I, love, I love worship leaders who are so connected to the Word of God uh, and, and the God of the Word. Uh, so that, you know, if we really paid attention to the set, we could really, the preacher could just get up and go, okay, yeah, yeah, what those guys said. Do what they said, right? It, 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 that's it. That's it. That's, that's what it means to be humble, to know who I am in Christ. And, and to go out and live according to that, to act like that, to, to know who Christ has made me to be. And, and certainly Peter early on was a guy who, who maybe struggled with that, right? He, he was a guy who was pretty self-reliant. He kind of he thought highly of himself and his ability and had confidence in who, who he was himself. And, and God through his life brought him to the place to realize it really is the strength that, 
that I have in Christ and knowing who I am in Christ. And so he, he comes to the end of his life and amazingly Peter the Proud writes this book, this handbook on humility and, and he's giving these instructions. And so in the context of all of that, he, he talks a lot about suffering uh, because usually that's what it requires for us to come to the end of ourselves, to come to the end of our resources, to figure out I really can't do this on my own. I, I can't make this happen. I don't have it within me. God usually has to take me through some things that, that physically I can't handle, so I trust Him. Uh, so I turn it over to Him. I, I go through tribulation, and, and with patience I endure it. I let patience have her perfect work, so that I might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So that, so that then I can have experience, and experience breeds hope, and, and hope makes me not ashamed because I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded, right? I believe that, that He can handle these things. And so we go through some suffering, and, 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 and what humility ultimately renders in our life is, is this submission. Really, ultimately, it's submission to God, but if I'm going to submit to God, I've got to submit to the, the authorities that He puts in my life. Because he's the one who said to submit to them, right? But, but ultimately, my submission is to him. It's trust in him because he can handle all of that, right? He can correct all of that. He can deal with, with all the issues. I'm, 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 I'm believing him and trusting him. And, and then today, we're just going to talk quickly about that if, I, if I'm humble, then, then that's going to be revealed in my life through service. I'm going to serve the Lord, right? I'm not going to be sitting on the sidelines. Uh, Pastor Grace last night, you know, ripping us about playing video games and watching Netflix, right? Uh, that, that, that's not what my life's going to be about if I'm a humble person. If I understand who I am in Christ, well, I can't squander that sitting around doing nothing. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to get involved. I'm going I'm I'm to allow who He is in me to be worked out in the ministry. Amen? Uh, that's the way it's going to play. And so chapter 4, verse 7, let's look at it quick. Man, Dave, this morning and, and every morning, he has set us up, hasn't he? All right? We've come into this in his house to worship him, and, 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 and soon and very soon. Uh, that's where we're going to start this morning. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, but the end of all things is at hand. Soon and very soon. All right? We're going to see the king. Be ye therefore sober, and watch into prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're all in full-time Christian service. Now, sometimes we, we think about people who work in a vocational ministry. You know, they, they, they have a position at the church, and that's where they, they draw their income. Uh, we, we think of, oh, those, those are the full-time guys. Yeah, Joe, you, you're, you're a full-time guy. Uh, you're in full-time Christian service. We're all in full-time. There's no part-time Christians, right? You, you can't be a part-time Christian. Uh, we, we, we give are all to Christ when we come to Him for salvation. So we're, we're all in full-time Christian service. It's, it's, not, it's not a vocation. It's a manner of living. It's just where we, we derive our income. I didn't start in this thing uh, to, to be, quote-unquote, in the ministry. 
Uh, I was an engineer. I, I worked for a, a Fortune 500 company, a computer company, and uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, and, and God changed my direction uh, and, and put me in the ministry. Praise the Lord, He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, and I'm grateful for that. But it's just now, that's where I, I support my ministry from, from the church. That's just the way it is. And, and I've said for years, and, and God's probably going to call me on it someday. He hasn't yet, but He's probably going to someday, that if the church couldn't afford that anymore, if something happened and, and they could no longer afford my salary, okay, well then I'll just fund my ministry some other way. I'll just have to go get a different job, but that doesn't magically mean now, God, oh, no, oh, oh, oh wow, God, God has called me elsewhere because the money ran out. No, I'll just fund my ministry some other way because God's calling is, is God's calling, right? So I'm just going to continue to do what I do. I'll just fund it another way. So we're, we're all in service, and the motivation for us to serve today is the end of all things is at hand. Right? I mean, Christ is coming. Soon and very soon. He's coming. How long do you think it's going to take after he comes for me to figure out what mattered in life? A millisecond? Right? I mean, and is it going to matter? What, what level I had attained in my career? Oh, is God going to be impressed that, you know, I was the, the CEO of the corporation? Is it going to impress him that I lived in a 5,000 square foot house or, or drove a Lexus? God's not going to be impressed with any of that stuff. No, that's going to matter. Not only is it not going to matter to God, it's not going to matter to you. <laughs> right? All that's going to matter in that moment is what I did for Christ and why I did it. <laughs> right? That, that's a big deal. That's the humility piece of it. It's not just what I did. It's why I did it. Right? Uh, let me just cut to the chase today. That, that is humility. Humility is I do everything I do in the power of God for the glory of God. That my life is totally... Totally about everything I do, I do in His power. Him working through me, not me in my flesh, mustering up something. But Him through me, doing what He does, and not for my glory, but for His. Uh, that really is humility. Christ is coming, and we serve in light of that. We live in the last days. And I hear people say, you know, man, I've heard that my whole life. Awesome. So your life's a really long time? That's, that's, that makes no sense, right? Your, your life isn't that big a deal, right? It's just, it's just a vapor. It appears for a moment and it vanishes away. It's, it's, it's just quick. It, it's not that long. Christ is coming, and, and you know, this is, this is profound. It's closer now than it's ever been, right? We're a day closer now than we were yesterday. Uh, he is coming, that is certain, and we're closer now than we've ever been. So I need to live in light of that. Peter, in his second epistle, he didn't think he would get to write one, uh, but he did. And, and when he wrote it, he talked about that. He talked about that in the last days, scoffers are going to come saying, where's the promise of thy coming? He says a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as, as a day. We, we've been in the last days since the ascension of Jesus Christ. right? And it's just a couple of days to him. It's, it's, just, a, it's just that to him. It's no big deal. He's coming, and He's coming soon, and we need to live in light of eternity. And, and we don't need to be those people who fall into the trap of trying to set dates, right? You know, let's figure out when He's coming. Well, he, if He wanted you to know that, He would have told you. It's amazing to me. It's those things that He didn't choose to tell us that we're always, you know, really trying to stress out and figure out, right? Who is Melchizedek? I don't know. He didn't tell you. Leave it alone. When's He coming? None of your business. It's above your pay grade. Just get to work, right? We, we should be about redeeming the time, not about setting the date. 
Let's redeem the time. Let's get busy for the Lord. Let's live as if He's coming today. Amen. Plan as if He's not going to come the rest of my life. I, I, I don't know when He's coming, but I know that I've got today, and I need to serve Him today. I need to live like He's coming today. And you know, when we, when we live like that, it, it, it's not about, again, some kind of program or something that we get involved in at church. It's about how we live our lives. Ministry, our lives are ministry. It's not something that happens, you know, at, at all church retreat, you know, and then we're off. Or, or happens on Sunday morning and then we've got the rest of the week, whatever. No, it's, it's our lives, it's who we are. And, and that's, that's what Peter, and again, it's the same thing as yesterday. He, he keeps saying, in light of these truths, be this. Not, not do this, but be this. Notice he says, but the end of all things is at hand, verse 7. Be ye therefore, because it's the end, because Christ is coming soon. Here's some things we need to be. And, and, and I'm just going to, again, I, I, feel, I feel silly, but I'm just going to look at the list of the things that he says that we ought to be in light of the coming of Jesus Christ. Our motivation is Christ is coming. Could you just stop for a minute and think about that? I'm going to stand in his presence. I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm really going to, in that moment, understand what he did for me. John says, I'm going to see him as he is. I mean, now I see him through a glass darkly. And hallelujah for the glass that we see him through, through a lattice, Song of Solomon says, right? I, I see him now, but I don't see him in the fullness of who he is. But, but on that day, I'm going to see him in the fullness of who he is. I'm really going to understand in that moment what he did for me. We need, to, we need to live our lives, every day of our lives, in light of that moment. And if we'll live in light of that moment, we will be sober people. We, we won't be intoxicated by anything. We're going to be serious-minded about how we go about this business. It's not going to be something that we can go about haphazardly. It's not going to be something that we can just kind of, you know, we can kind of swing at, but we might miss. No, we've got to be serious. We've got to be sober-minded about this. Some people would say self-controlled. I, I think that's the opposite of what we need to be. We need to be God-controlled. Right? We're not intoxicated by anything, but we're, we're serious about our service to Christ. That's what I love about our fellowship. And, and listen, I don't know if you guys, again, you, you probably do, but let me just say it. You, you lead our fellowship. The, the Living Faith Bible Institute leads our fellowship in it. And it, that's serious about the mission. That's saying we're going to be serious about this thing. We're going to pour our lives into it. We're going to train people. We're going to send them out. To do the work of the Lord. We all need to be like that though, right? We're going to see in a moment that it's every one of you. It, we, we can't sit back and say, wow, yeah, look at my church. Look what they're doing. Look what those people... No, it's all of us. It takes every one of us. Every one of us. No, there are no exceptions. There are no spectators. There's nobody on the sideline. Every one of us. We need to live soberly in light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, not intoxicated by anything, not allowing anything to draw us away. You know, we, we live in a culture that is so driven by, by our rights and our privileges, right? We're outraged. Everybody's outraged about something. Get over it. Get over yourself. 
Why don't we, why don't we get outraged by the fact that there, there isn't glory being brought to the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know how it is in the Midwest. In the, in the South, everybody's outraged about politics. You know, everybody's all up in arms and somehow think that some politician, this one or that one's going to, to somehow preserve our culture. Praise the Lord. I love America. Hallelujah for it. What a wonderful platform from which to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this world is not my home. And I know this culture is not going to be preserved. Right? There's a kingdom coming and it'll be preserved. And I want to live for that kingdom. I don't want to live for here and now. I want to live for there and then. I don't want to get caught up in this world. I don't want to get drunk on the things of this world. And, and there are so many things that cause us. We need to be sober. We need to align our lives with biblical priorities so that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ and be very serious about that. And listen, that's ministry. It's not some program that I get involved in. You know, again, I, I don't know everywhere else. I just know where I'm from. And man, we struggle with that stuff. You know, in the South, we are, we are so religious and just lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Right? It's a, it's a mess because it's, it's all about what you do and getting in a, oh, we got to have a program for this and a program. No, let's just, let's just live lives in service to the Lord Jesus Christ, looking for his soon coming. Right? Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. Let's be sober about it. And then he says, be watchful unto prayer. And, and I don't really need to talk about that much because Dan and Alan have, have covered the subject, right? Uh, not just prayer, but watchful unto prayer. It's a different attitude, right? I, I know what's going on around me. I'm alert. I'm mindful. It's like Jesus with the disciples in the garden, right? He says, hey, watch and pray with me. And, and Peter, you know, I'm sure when he writes this, he's thinking about that occasion, right? It's not been that long ago. It was in his life. He was there with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's time to watch and pray. And what does he do? He goes to sleep. He goes to sleep. Can't, Jesus, could, can't you watch for me, with me for, for one hour? And he walks away. And, and what does Peter do? He goes back to sleep. There's a lot of Christians that are asleep. And, and Christ is coming. I mean, it was a moment of, of crisis in the life of Christ. He, he's, he's going to the cross, and, and it's not just the agony of the cross, but he's going to take the cup, the wrath of God, the sins of the world are going to be poured out upon him. And he goes before his father, and he, and he pours out his heart. And it's, you know, it's just an amazing. If, you were, if I were in the garden, I won't, I won't put that on you. If I were in the garden that night, you know, just observing everything that's going on, I might have thought, you know, Pete and the boys, they're going to make it pretty good through tomorrow. But that, that guy, Jesus, I don't know how he's going to make it because he's, he's pretty upset, and it's not even happened yet. These guys are getting a good night's sleep. But it was just the opposite, wasn't it? Because Christ watched and prayed he prepared himself before the battle. The battle was won before the battle begun. And it was won in prayer. He watched and prayed. And so in light of the coming of Jesus Christ, we need to be people who are watchful. We need to be, I, I love the, the, in the Old Testament, the, the, the children of Issachar, right? The Bible says of them that they knew their times. They understood what time it was. And they knew what Israel ought to do. We ought to be people like that. We're not setting dates, but we know that the Lord's coming. We know it's closer than it's ever been. And we ought to be people who could, who could instruct the church in how we ought to live in times like these. Not a caught up in the culture, not caught up in all the noise that's going on, but people who watch and pray, who know the heart of the Lord. Go to Him and, and seek His glory, that His will would be done. 
that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven? And that's going to happen one day very definitely. It's going to happen very literally. Christ is going to come and he's going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives and he's going to establish his kingdom. And his will will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. But I don't have to wait on that day. It can happen today in my life. I can, I, that, can, that prayer can be answered right now if, if I'll let that happen. We need to, to pray and pray God's will and humbly pray, willing to allow Him to be in control of our lives. And you know, prayer is ministry. And, and I, again, I feel a little silly saying that to you because you guys are instructing us. And we're following your example. And, and, and that's, Alan started the other night talking about making shipwreck. Don't, don't make shipwreck, man. We're following you. We're with you in the boat. Don't let that thing go down. Your example is, is an example to my church, and, and we're watching you, and we're following you, and we're learning from you. He, so he says, be sober. In light of the coming of Christ, be sober, be watchful. He, he says in verse 8, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. And I love, I love that, that God, you know, we talk about love, and we say charity is love, and and there's truth to that, but I love the word. We know what that word means, right? We know what charity means. Charity means I'm going to give something and I don't expect anything back. Right? I mean, if you go down to Goodwill today and you make a donation, you unload off all those old clothes, you gave them to them, you gave to charity, you didn't you know, expect that they would give you anything back. You walk away ticked off because, man, I tell you, these guys at Goodwill are just cheap. No. You understood. It's charity. And that's the way we're to be with one another, right? Love one another, not expecting anything in return. And he says, he actually says that's above all things. And that's what Paul told the church of Corinth, right? Charity is, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, the greatest of these is charity. Just, just loving one another without expecting anything in return. You know, I read a book a few years ago. It was convicting. It was, it was uh, I can never can remember the title of books, especially when I don't think, you know, I didn't prepare to talk about it, but it's uh, Identifying Idolatrous Lust. The, the title is With All Your Heart. The subtitle is Identifying Idolatrous Lust. And he, and he made the point in the book that when I do something for someone and then I get upset when they don't reciprocate, that's an idolatrous lust. I didn't do anything for them. I did something for me. I didn't really love them or care about them. I was just looking for what I could get in return. And that's an idolatrous lust. That's a wicked heart. We're, we're, to, we're to love one another in such a way that we, we serve one another. We love one another without expecting anything in return. That, that, that's what I'm looking forward to the coming of Christ. I'm a humble person. Humility is I, I don't have to have anything back. I'm, I'm looking for his. I'm living for that. And he adds an adjective here. He says, fervent. Fervent charity. Man, he's up in the, he's up in the game in, in light of the, the late hour. I need to be fervent about that. That, that needs to be something that I'm, I'm, I'm strong in, something that I'm, I'm working at, something that, that costs me something. I'm giving effort to it. I'm loving people when it costs me to love them. I'm loving people who won't love me back. I know they're not going to love me back. They're not able to love me back. They're not capable of it. But I'm going to love them anyway, because I know that, that the hour's late. You know, in 30 years of ministry, I've found that there's a lot of people out there that are hurting. 
There's a lot of people who can't love you back. There's a lot of people that are incapable. And, and I would say, in the present distress, that's off the charts. You know, the, the pandemic is bad. And the physical. We, we've lost a few people in our church that, that have died with, with COVID. We've, you know, last fall had 80 cases in one week in our church. Probably 15 in the hospital. And, and you guys have experienced those things. And, and the physical thing is, is bad. And there's people who have long-lasting effects of that. I don't think it even compares to what's happening in people's lives emotionally and the hurt that people are experiencing by the isolation and the separation and, and the fear that has been so propagated. There's people that need us to love them. People who need us to love them fervently. There's people who need us to, to speak into their lives and to, to risk our own lives and to risk our own emotions and not, not look for anything, but just to give fervently to to love people. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Just think about how he says that, that, that we walk worthy. We walk worthy of what God has called us to, Right? The vocation, not, not you know, the, I get my paycheck at the church, but I, I'm called to live a life of service to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, I need to walk worthy of that with all lowliness and meekness. I'm, I'm to do that with humility in my heart, not, not thinking of myself more highly than I ought to think. Long-suffering. Suffering long, right? Hard word. Uh, just dealing with those, those people in life who... Calls you to suffer. Suffer long. Suffer long with them. Forbearing one another. Put up with one another. Uh, be willing to, to minister and to love people and to, to get along with people, to minister to people, to, to deal with difficult people. For, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins, he says. Let, let me just say, that's ministry. Seeking out people who need somebody to love them. That's ministry. That's ministry. That's the kind of ministry that every one of us, if we'll humble ourselves, can be part of, right? There's no shortage of people in the world who need somebody to love them. And, and, and you know what? Yeah, some of them aren't going to love you back. Okay, most of them aren't going to love you back. They're not capable of it yet. But if you will love them and forbear them and constantly and consistently show the love of Christ, then you're giving them an opportunity to respond to that love and that Christ could come and dwell in them and then they could in turn share that love with somebody else. We, we don't do it for what we get back. We do it because of who he is. And, and, and he says it'll cover a multitude of sins. You know, we've been in our church this year because of some things that God showed me before I ever went there. I've been there for about two and a half years. And 
before I went there, God showed me some things out of the life of Hezekiah, and I won't go into all of that, but, but Hezekiah, king of Judah, is an awesome king. We don't talk a lot about him, but an incredible guy uh, that God used mightily, and when he comes, he rebuilds the temple, and he, and he restores the worship, and, and, and in the process of wanting to do that, you could go read about it in Second Chronicles chapter 30 uh, if you wanted to, and you, you would find that he wants to, to, start, he wants to reinstitute the Passover for, for like 265 years they've not kept the Passover. Uh, and so he, he wants to have the Passover again, but, but he comes to rule over a divided kingdom, right? There's the north and the south. And so when he comes and he wants to do this, this thing of restoring the Passover, he, he reaches out not just to Judah, but to Israel as well. And he says, let's all come together. Everybody come and, and let's keep the Passover. Let's reunite the kingdom. They've, they've even been at war with one another. But he says, I, I want to I see us come together. There, there's been hatred, but let's, let's love one another and come together and let's keep the Passover together. And so he sends the letter. He sends the letter to out, out, out across all the tribes and invites everybody back. And, and if you read down through the chapter, what you'll find is, is some people, when, when they got the letter, uh, they, they acted like people that we know. They, they laughed them to scorn and they mocked, right? They just made fun of Hezekiah for his desire to get people together and to serve God and to humbly come together. But, but when you keep reading, you find that, that there were those who, and, and listen, you set out to love people who are unlovable. There will be those of those people that you loved who will mock and scorn you. That's okay. It doesn't matter. I, I didn't do it for how they would respond. I did it for the glory of Christ. I, I did it in obedience to Him. But the Bible goes on and tells us there's a multitude who come, right? There's a multitude who gather together, and apparently from your eyes, that verse is on the screen, right? Uh, and, and there's a multitude who comes for the multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun. It, it says they had not cleansed themselves, yet they did eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. Oh! <laughs> These guys come, and, and they keep the Passover, but they kept the Passover in a way that, that, that was, they weren't cleansed, they weren't right, they weren't keeping it in the due order, and that's a big deal. And, and, and listen, don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Hezekiah, if you read the whole context of the thing, he didn't just dismiss it. He calls them to turn to the Lord. And, and God's not just lowering his standard, but what I want you to see is Hezekiah's response. See Hezekiah's heart. But Hezekiah prayed for them. He, saying, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the, the Lord God of our fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. He, he called them to repent. Know that. God's going to judge because they didn't keep the word. But Hezekiah's heart isn't condemnation. He goes before God and he says, come on, God. I, I love these people. Would you, would you cover the multitude of their sins? That, that's the kind of heart that we need to have. Not, I'm not suggesting we condone sin. But I'm suggesting that we minister to sinners with a heart of love and compassion. By the way, if you keep reading, God had respect into his prayer. And God healed them. God was pleased with his prayer. I, I love what Pastor Allen talked about yesterday. Elisha's prayer. God responded to it. God answered it. God, God knew the end. He knew how they would respond, but he answered Elisha's prayer. We can have that kind of heart for people. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter's in his mind, he's, he's recalling when he said to the Lord, Lord, you know, in his pride, how often shall we forgive a man 
Seven times? Look at me, God. No, no, Peter, you jerk. <laughs> Seventy times seven in a day. How about that? Forgive that many times, and then we'll talk. That's ministry. Amen? Not a program. It's being who God's called us to be. He, he goes on and talks about being hospitable, right? Use hospital, hospitality, excuse me, one to another without grudging. And, and certainly in Peter's day, that was a big deal because there weren't hotels, there were inns, but they were used for other purposes. Uh, but as people traveled, they needed somebody to be hospitable to them and, and, and to care for them. I, I love Andrew. Andrew's not here to hear me say I love him. Uh, but I love the, the Friends of Internationals thing and just inviting internationals into your home and, and giving them, you know, I, I don't know what the percentage is, he, oh, plus 90% plus of, of those who come to our country uh, as an international to study never see the inside of an American home. You guys are doing something about that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, as Americans, we, we went through this process years ago, and we've only gotten worse where we've cocooned ourselves, right? You know, we, we pull up to the house, we push a button, we drive in the garage, we push a button and close the door so we make sure we don't see our neighbors, right? Don't talk to those people. We, we could use some hospitality. I, I just started the thing, and I'm doing it myself. I would encourage you to go check it out. Uh, it's, 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 it's a website. It's called Bless Every Home. Uh, and, and, and the idea is you, you figure out who your neighbors are. Uh, you can go sign up on this website. It'll give you 40 of your neighbors. Uh, that, that it'll send you every day a, a notification of every, how many families you want to pray for every day, and you can pray for every one of your neighbors by name. It'll give you scripture to pray over your neighbors. And, and then it encourages you, don't just pray for them, but look for opportunities to, to care about them. Do something for your neighbor. Meet your neighbors, talk to them, minister to them, and look for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Man, we got to do that, Right? We've got to use hospitality. We've got to find ways. God's, God's given to us our homes, and, and we need to minister to them. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, uh, but I see a day coming in our nation where, you know, I, we, we meet in a building that's gargantuan, uh, and, and that doesn't make us special. That makes us stupid because uh, we spend a lot of money on something that, that just is perpetual, right? Um, I, you know, I just got a bill the other day, a, a proposal the other day for three-quarters of a million dollars uh, for for. It's getting carnal. Let's stop talking about it. I see the day coming where, even in this country, we, we get away from that. We, we, we got to go back to a, a time where we simplify this thing, right? Uh, because that, I, I see where the facilities that we have at our church, we have 58 air conditioning units in our, in our facility, right? Uh, crazy. It's insane. That's why in America, the, the average, listen, this is, this is just statistics. It costs $330,000 to lead one person to Christ. And you say, oh, that's stupid. That, that's not possible. It, but if you take all of Christianity and what we spend, <laughs> right, $330,000 per conversion, according to the World Evangelism Research Center, $330,000 because we build buildings like the one that we worship in. There's going to come a day where that's, that's unsustainable, we're going to have to go back. You're going to have to open up your home, like, like in the New Testament, right? Aquila and Priscilla, they had a church in their house. Philemon had a church in his house, where we take those things that God's given to us, and we realize this is not for me, this is for him, and I'm going to use it for his glory. We've we got to be hospitable, and he says, do it without grudging. Do it without grudging. You know what? Guess what? Hey, newsflash, you start giving stuff away, somebody's going to take advantage of you. 
You start being nice to people, there's going to be people who won't reciprocate. Do it without grudging. Right? That's humility. Why? I trust the Lord. Hey, He's coming. And you know what? When He comes, He'll settle all the scores. He'll handle it. He'll ha In fact, I, I love what uh, I, I think Dan said the other morning when he came up and he had been so introduced that he said, thanks, you just blew all my rewards. Right? I, I'd rather get them there than here. I'd rather have the appreciation of the Lord than the appreciation of my neighbor. And let's, let's live in light of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And, and, and then this is the last thing. We need to be good stewards, right? We need to be faithful. And, and, and what Peter says here is, as every man hath received the gift, in verse number 10, as every man hath received the gift, when, when, when the Bible references spiritual gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians, he always uses that word, every. Every. Every believer in Jesus Christ receives the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? You, 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 if, you don't have, if you have not the Spirit, you're none of His. You've never been born again. Sometimes, we Baptists, because of the error of others, have thrown the baby out with the bathwater, right? Spiritual gifts are a biblical thing. The Spirit of God lives within me, and, and He's gifted me as a believer in Christ. And, and so, in humility, right, I, I understand that it's Him, it's not me. It's not, it's not because I'm so awesome. In fact, it's, I'm undeserving, certainly. I'm incapable. But he, he puts that gifting within us. And it's Him that lives through us. That's, that's the goal. Every believer, every one of us that are a believer in Jesus Christ have received a spiritual gift. A supernatural enablement of God. Today's June, July. July. The 24th. The older you get, the faster it goes. Anybody still got a Christmas gift at home that you've not unwrapped yet? Anybody? Anybody? No? Oh, you? Oh, yeah. you, should do, you should unwrap that. <laughs> Whomever gave that to you probably is not feeling real appreciated right now. <laughs> Jesus is coming. And he gave you a gift. A supernatural enablement. You sure don't want to show up in his presence for the first time. I mean, physically in his presence. With that gift still wrapped. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, Jesus, I never got around to that. Never got around to figuring that out and unwrapping that and just sort of figuring out exactly what all you gave me there. And, and I sure never used it. I, I never, you know, you think about the parable of the talents, right? The guy who went and hid it in the, in the dirt. What did he call him? He said, now, you naughty boy. No, what did he say? You wicked and slothful servant. You don't want that when he shows up. You, you want to have unwrapped what he's given to you. You want to be a good steward of that. And, and, he, and he says, you know, when you go on and read in verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. End of verse 11. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Remember a couple of days we talked about the manifold temptations, right? The manifold trials. Now we're talking about the manifold grace of God. 
We, we need to discover the gift and unwrap the gift and use the gift for the glory of God. It's, it's, it's multifaceted. It's multicolored. It's, it, we're all different. You're unique. Somebody else will do it. No, they can't. They can't. Only you can be who God made you to be. And you are unique in the body of Christ. I'm not trying to pump you up because it's not you. It's Christ in you. Right? It ought to humble us to know that Christ is in us. And he's gifted us. And he's gifted us not to, to win and influence our friends you know, and neighbors. He's, he's, he's gifted us to serve the body of Christ. Uh, and, 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 he, and he breaks it down into a couple of categories here. He says, if any man speak, let him speak as of the oracles of God. And any man minister, let him do it as of the ability God giveth. And so he says, you know, there's these gifts, and, and, and there's there's list of gifts, and, and they're, 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 some are duplicated in different places. I mentioned the different passages where they come, and, and, and you, depending on how you count them, you know, 16, 18 of them uh, that are listed in the Scripture, some of them are relevant to today, and some are not. But Peter mentions two different broad categories. He says there's these speaking gifts, and then there's these ministering gifts. But he says if you're going to speak... Speak of the oracles of God. It's not my ideas. It's not, it's not what I think. It's, but it's what God says. Right? And, 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 and listen, he didn't say if you're going to preach or teach. He said if you're going to speak. That's all of us. Right? And I, we, 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 we meet every Saturday morning, the, the men of our church, and we pray for the next day. And, and one of my consistent prayers in that day is that we would all come as the body of Christ and gather on Sunday. And we would all speak the oracles of God. The words that come out of my mouth as a greeter, as, as I speak to someone in the hall, would be the oracles of God. And, and then he says, serve. If we're going to minister, we, we do it as the, in the power that God giveth, not in our own strength, not in our own ability. And listen to what he says, and I'm done. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What is, what's the bottom line of humility? I do everything I do in the power of God. For the glory of God. And he finishes with amen. That doesn't mean we're finished, but it also means so be it. So be it. So be it that we would live that way. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your gifting. We're grateful for the privilege that we have of being counted faithful, being put in the ministry. God, I pray you'd help us to humbly serve you, to honor and to glorify you, Father, may we do all that we do, not in the power of our flesh, not in our ability, but in yours. May we do all that we do, not for our glory, but for yours. That one day when we stand before you, you would be pleased with us. You would be pleased with the lives that we live. That we would stand before you without regrets. I pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.